Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Thursday afternoon. Um, I still have left to do the Haftarah, which I'll do right now. Uh, I want to thank uh, today's sponsor, Lichtman family, Ari Lichtman, my sister's nephew, actually, um, here in Baltimore, who's sponsoring today in honor of the podcast. Very nice of him. We appreciate it, um, as we appreciate all our sponsors. I want to remind, I'll just re- repeat, the uh, hope to be away on Shabbos. As a scholar in residence in Muncie, um, I'll make a separate uh, announcement about this a little bit later. But I hope to be this Shabbos as a scholar in residence in um, Wesley Hills in Muncie, in Kehillah's Base of Vigdor, if you know where that is. And separate from that, Saturday night at 9 o'clock, I hope to do a talk at a home at my nephew's home elsewhere in Muncie. So I'll give you the information later on if you're interested. This would be no game, obviously, only if you're in the general Muncie general area. Uh, but about today's Haftorah, you know, since it's a famous, um, not teaching high school anywhere, you used to do it with the boys. Uh, these are part of the Elisha stories. You understand, um, the Bible is full of prophets. The Nach, the Nevi'im, is full of prophets. But usually the Nevi'im don't have much to say. They have like a cameo appearance. There's a king and a Navi shows up and something happens or the Navi gives him a message. The king wants to hear the message. doesn't want to hear the message. There's a Navi who might do this or that. If you have a list of all the Navis, Navin is a lot. But what they tell you about him is not that much. And usually most of Navin, as far as I can remember, are connected with the idea of telling the king some Muslim schmooze or whatever. You know, Komarshan. And then they leave the scene. We don't have stories, usually, about the prophets doing miracles. You have some, but usually not. The exception to, and the, when you get later on in Jewish history, in the middle of the king period, you get what you call Nimbiyam Achronim, the Treyoser, and the three biggies, Yishar Yom they're not doing miracles. I mean, that's not what it's all about. It's about giving messages from Hashem. Prophecy. The exception are the two heroes Elijah and Elisha, Elio and Elisha, as master and disciple. For some reason, they are two characters that, although they do give most of schmoozes to the kings, the main story is the miracles that they pop off. You get it? Elio makes a drought, and then, of course, he gets all that the hard caramel, he makes a rain. He does it this, he does it that, you know. Elio uh, can, can change nature. And Elisha, even more so. So there's a whole series of Elisha stories of, of Nisim, when it flows. Smack in the book of Kings, which don't necessarily exactly fit there, because most of the book of Malachim and Dibriyam are telling you what happened during the reign of this king, followed by the reign of that king, and the, the next king, and whether they were idol worshippers or not, 
That's the heart of the book. You have a war here, a mice there. That's the heart of the book. But they kind of like take off for prophetic relief, I guess. Whole chapters about Elisha. He, he makes the metal rise to the top of the river. He does uh, in, in this week's parsha. This is after he does the Tchias Mason. And he does all kinds of things. And I'm not exactly sure why that's the case, but that's what the Book of Malachim is about. It's funny. Um, and different, you have all these mices. Today, Saf Torah, since it's in the Parsha Bayero, and Sarah Emenu gets the news she's going to have a baby, and that's a miracle, because she's over the hill. Achri Blosi, I'm physically over the hill. I'm past the stage in life we can do it. And it was so crazy that she laughed. And then, you know, God said, why'd you laugh? And she said, I didn't laugh, etc. So since Sarah gets the news, so anyone told the story how Alicia did the same thing with the Isha Shanamas, the Shunamite woman, which is an interesting story from my point of view. The most psychologically interesting part is where she says, don't fool me. You know, the worst thing in the world, she like made peace with the fact she's not going to have children. If you give me a false, I'll take Bandoni or something like that. Don't fool me, you know? Because Alicia says, what do you need? And Gekha says, she doesn't make kids. And Alicia says, you're going to have a baby next year. No, there's the same wording that the three angels give to Sari Menu. You have the same kind of thing for the Shunammite woman. That's why they have the Torah on the week's Parsha. And whereas Sarah, it's very interesting, said, this is crazy. The Shunammite woman doesn't react that way. She says, let this not be a false hope. Which leads me to suspect that she had miscarriages. Get it? You know, she had children and it didn't work. And in some ways that's worse. I mean, I don't want to even speculate about that. And I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But in some ways it's worse than never had in the first place. So Sarah never had. So by her, the whole idea was crazy. But uh, even if you go like the Chazal, the wonderful Chazal that says, she said, Avram's over the hell, not me. Wait a minute. Sorry about that. So, um, you know, Sarah reacted her way. The Shunammite woman does not laugh. Uh, I, to me, that's very interesting. You know what I'm saying? The Shunammite woman said, I guess, just don't, no false hopes. And sure enough, when she has a baby, the kid dies. She comes to Alicia and says, I told you, don't give me false hope. You crushed me. And Alicia says, I guess, I cannot do that. You know, that's mental cruelty above and beyond. Therefore, he's going to, if necessary, he bring the baby back from the dead. Which is not to push it. I don't think I can think of anybody else, except maybe it's an LEO story, that when he brings somebody back from the dead, am I wrong? Do we have a Tchias Mason story in the Bible? In the Old Testament? <laughs> Am I forgetting something? Uh, I don't think so. Well, not the Farish in the, in the Tanakh. It doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> As most unusual circumstance. And why would Alicia do whatever here? Uh, and many reasons, I'm sure. But to me, you know, when this lady had a baby after so many misses and so on and so forth, and she's like, I know exactly what, she's scared to hope. You get it? Think of what child mortality was in the time of the Bible anyway. She's scared to hope. And he's now giving her a hostage to fortune. 
and then something goes wrong, the kid's Roshi, Roshi, and he passes out and dies. Oi, the, the, the pain is above and beyond. And Alicia says, I'm not going to subject her to that pain. I don't care what. And he tells, you know, the famous story. He says, I'll go and I'll bring the kid back. You understand? I mean, that's the human story involving this Misa. Uh, he says, I will do anything. Literally, I'll move heaven and earth. I will literally move heaven and earth to save this lady from going through that again. That's how I understand the story. <laughs> so the fact that she said, no more false starts. I think kind of tells you everything. But the truth is, my attention was drawn to the first story. For some reason, as I've told you many times, it so happens that when they do a Haftar, you could shave it. You could edit it. But they add on a couple extra psukim for one reason or another. So in this week's Haftarah, we have story A, which is very short, and then story B. You could do without story A. If the Haftarah simply was about the dead kid coming to life again, or the promise of a child, that's a better way of putting it, that she gives to Isha Shanamas, that's all you need. And then you say it's like Sarameno, and there's a parallel and the difference, etc. But they always start a little earlier for some reason, and they give the preceding story, which is very short, and that's about the starving lady, and how Alicia helps her out. So that's a, a weird story because, you know, why do they mention it? Unless they're simply racking up all the uh, miracles of Elisha. It's really cute. When Elisha was this Talmud, I guess, of Eliyahu. Again, Elisha was this Talmud of Eliyahu. So before Eliyahu dies, or doesn't die, but he gets transported to heaven, whatever that means, because I'm using terms like I know what I'm talking about. Nobody does. He does. Heaven's not a place. It's a state of reality. And Elisha sees that happen. But he says, if you see it happen, or whatever, or you perceive it, because you can't see it, then you'll get a Pishnam, you get a double of the powers that I had. And it sounds like he does. Now, uh, the stories that we have, because if you count them up, I believe I'm right about this. I'm going by memory. I think Elio comes out with eight miracles, and Elisha has 16. Something along those lines. So, they pack an extra story into Haftar today. What is the story? There's a whole uh, a, a mini-series. Because all it says, and it's a short story, it's about three, four psugo. I repeat, this is the story before the main story. A woman whose husband had been a Navi in training cried to Elisha, my husband died, and you know, my husband was a Yarius Hashem. And we have debts and we can't pay the bills. And this is ancient Israel. And they're a bunch of Shmos. And therefore, since I can't pay the bills, he's going to take my children into slavery, even though he's not allowed to. Meaning the Torah says he's not allowed to. But they did do it. This is like debtor's prison, all that. That long ago, if you can pay up your debts, I'll enslave you. If I can't, and if if I can't enslave you, I'll get your kids. Meaning, suppose you were forty years old and you borrowed money from me. I'm just making this up, obviously, on a twenty-year basis. And twenty years goes by and you don't pay. 
You say I got no money? I'm paid. Oh, really? What am I going to do? Take it a 60-year-old guy? is good for nothing. <laughs> you know? Or 70, whatever scenario you want. I'll take his kids. You follow? Dirty long and sturdy? I'll work down. Now, is this permitted, not permitted? Don't ask the questions whether something's permitted when you get to the biblical era. They just did it. Okay? Same way they say they didn't keep their shemitah. You know? They didn't keep this. They didn't keep that. This is the kingdom of the north, not the kingdom of the south. Anyway, and the king at that time was Achav and his son, his successor, Yehoram. And so they were over there, but it's if you want to go that route. And they were, you know, money's money, and that uh, triumphs over everything. So the lady says, my two kids have been carried off to slavery. I'll never see them again. They put them in assault mines. And by the way, the slave system, as you know very well, I can take the two kids as slaves. I can, if I want to, anytime I want, sell them somewhere else. And that guy can sell them somewhere else. And for all I know, my two kids can end up in China. Get it? And it's all legal. There's nothing I can do about it. It's now what happened to Joseph. They sold him to the Ishmaelim. The Ishmaelim sold him to Midian. However it worked. He ended up in Egypt. It's legal. A sells B. B sells to C. C sells to D. And so forth. It's one of the horrors of slavery. And that's what the blacks had to go from the South. You know, you've seen that in um, the, the, the stories, the novels, the movies. It's true. They separate a family. They sold this one over here, that one over here. It's terrible. Okay? So she's coming to Alicia and says, save me from the merciless Jews. I want to be clear about this. There's a Jewish lady saying, the other Jews are going to screw us over and take my kids. I'll never see them again. Are you ever Alicia? And she says, my husband, my husband was a firm guy. Therefore, help me out. And Alicia famously does the stick with the cruise of oil. He says, what do you got in the house? It's a short uh, part. All your maidservant has in the house is a jar of oil. That's all that's left. We're starving to death other than a jar of oil. When she says maidservant, she means me, your humble and obedient self. Me, myself, and I. And Alicia famously says, go borrow every jar in the neighborhood. Get every empty jar in the neighborhood. This goes back in the time when you know, people didn't throw jars away and uh, you use them for stuff. Isn't this why when we were growing up they said you can't open a sardine can on Shabbos because then you can use it afterwards to can for uh, whatever you call it, you know, to hold needles and all kind of junk like that. Because, you know, in our grandparents' generation you didn't throw away, you used the cans for stuff. Nowadays, it's ridiculous. So anyhow, and close the doors, you know, you don't want anybody to see the miracle. And basically, I'm telling you, this jar of oil is going to continue pouring miraculously until it fills every jar in town. And you will own the oil and you'll sell the oil and, you, and, and, and you'll make money and then you'll pay off your debt. And they won't be able to take your children for slavery. Right? Like he came close to Kalen. When she filled them all up, he said, we're done. And Mikriyas Hashem and Bishalmi Yisnishik Right? Pay off your debt. That's the end of the story. It doesn't even go to tell you she did it, it's taken for granted. So, Stamazo, you say it's a nice story. Why do they have to tell you this part? My husband was a from guy. And more importantly, Isha Achas Minashe Bnei Hanavim. Right? Why are you throwing that detail?
So you might say that's who she was. Usually in biblical stories, they throw in the detail, especially from rabbinic literature point of view, there's importance to it. And so this is the basis of a Gansa famous Agatha, which is, of all places in the Radak, who usually is, I say, something a little more on the rational side, right? Uh, the famous Radak from Provence, David Kimti. I hope on Shabbos in Muncie, I'm going to give you one of the talks with Provence, the Rishonim in Provence, a certain aspect. And uh, very interesting, their relationship with rationalism, often the very rationalistic, including Radak, who was a great champion of Maimonides and the Maimonidean controversies. And, um, you know, and the Radak, for some reason, is adopting a big Targum story. It sounds like it's not exactly in the Gemara, I don't think. But nevertheless, dramatizes the story remarkably. And he says, quotes the, the Targum Yonasan, on our parsha, the Ishach is Venashem B'nei Hanabim. When I hear the word B'nei Hanabim, what am I supposed to think of? So he says, the answer is he's supposed to think of the story a little bit earlier with Eliyahu and the B'nei Hanabim. What story is there with Eliyahu and B'nei Hanabim? Well, Back in the other book, Lachamav, uh, I think it is, Eliyahu, not Elisha, Eliyahu, was a prophet of the time of Achav. They both hate each other. Eliyahu says, I'm so angry at all the idolatry that's going on, I hereby declare get a drought. And it's going to have no water until I say so. And he did it. And in the Middle East, a drought is no joke. People died, I'm sure. I mean, it's no joke. And the rain is a disaster. And Acha wants to kill Leo, and God hides him. But eventually God says, enough with the drought. I'm giving you fair warning that this is going to end because Hashem says, that's your idea. It's not my idea. And, you know, Elio Novia, we Elio, I mean, like the Jewish Santa Claus. I mean, that is not in the Tanakh. Elio is a tough individual. And Elio is told, go up here and present yourself to Achav. And he runs into a character named Ovadia, which is portrayed over here as the prime minister of Achav. Ovadia, uh, okay, that's fine. Uh, for some reason, this is conflated with the prophet Ovadia. I mean, it could be. Who's the prophet of Avadi? It's one of the Treyosar. What is the book of Avadi about? Oh, the book of Avadi is great. It's a grand total of one chapter. You need to make a seum <laughs> for the nine days. Just read Avadi. It's a few psukum. You say, I finished all book. Naki Fleshix. And Avadi is cursing out Edom. Okay. Why is Avadi cursing Edom? I don't know. So, the Chassab, rabbinic literature, they had this idea the Avadi was a Gerd Sedek. He's an Edomite. Because of this Chazal, which is not in the Tanakh anywhere, in the Middle Ages it became uh, frequent that Goyim converted to Judaism would take the name Avadi. Isn't that interesting? Um, not Avram ben Avram. That's later. You hear that also. But Avadia. There's a famous letter by Maimonides, by Rambam, to a Gerd very, very interesting letter, 
And it's called the letter to Igeris Lovadia Ger. The guy was a Muslim who converted to Judaism and didn't didn't like what he was being taught in Yeshiva. But his name was Avadia. There are a fair number of very famous and controversial converts to Judaism in the Middle Ages who took the name of Avadia. I remember there was some official at the court of the Holy Roman Emperor who switched to Judaism and really got into trouble and had to run away. There was a Norman knight in the time of Ivanhoe. Same thing, Avadia. So there's this idea that Avadia is a Gertzedek. Now Gertzedek is a high madrega. Gertzedek means you do lishmal. Um, somehow or other, this idea that there was a guy named Avadia who uh, was a Gertzedek was actually from Edom. So he's cursing his own people. Which is weird. I mean, I have a theory or two. But I'm not going to go into it now. Uh, is identical with the person named Ovadia who comes across as the Prime Minister of Acha, who is mentioned officially in Melchim Acha's Prime Minister. And this guy, Achav, that's what it says. He's a from guy. It's a little bit weird that a guy like Achav would have a Prime Minister who was Shomer Shabbos. So get over it. It was weird. Um, Achav himself I always used to give this when I was in high school, question on test, you know, give the two sides or something like that of Achav's character. On the one hand, he was very wicked, and the other hand, he wasn't. On the one hand, he worshipped idols and killed every all the, the prophets. On the other hand, his prime minister was a from guy. You know, which of course would mean that this Avadi guy was a very capable individual. So Achav was willing to overlook his from guy because he was very good at his job. And he runs into Eliyahu. And Eliyahu says, tell him, it's a few chapters earlier, tell Achab I'm here. Very famous scene. I'm sure it's coming up soon in the Torah. You know, in future weeks. And Avadi says, don't make me go bring this news to Achab because it'll kill me. And you know, I'm a from guy. Why are you trying to get me in trouble? Why are you screwing me over? You know that when Ahab and his wife Jezebel had been killing all the prophets, me, myself, and I hid a hundred of them in caves to hide them from Ahab's executioners, and I supplied them with food and water, food and drink, which is hard. Um, and Elio says, don't worry, I'll take care of it, you won't get hurt, etc., etc., etc. So that's how Ovadia is presented to us. And then we don't hear from him. And Achav and Elio go in and have their particular adventures. And Achav gets killed in battle later on. And is succeeded by his son Yehoram. And Elio dies or leaves the scene, let's put it that way. And now it's Elisha. So A and B have been succeeded by their disciples or, or successors. King Achav has been succeeded by King Yehoram. And Elio has now been succeeded by Elisha. And now we're told... That Ovadia had a bad end. That the expense of hiding these prophets and supplying with food bankrupted him. And he was a real firm guy. And when he ran out of money, he went into heavy debt from the crown prince 
at that time, currently the king, from the son of Ahab. So basically, he went to Ahab's son, and he said, I don't want to tell you why. I mean, I'm sure he said in some clever way, I need to borrow a million bucks, two million bucks. And the crown prince said, like, sure, you know, we'll call it 50% interest compounded semi-hourly. You know, why not? So he really screwed him over not. And Avadia says, I agree to this arrangement. So Avadia entered into a ribis arrangement, outrageous ribis, for pikuch nefesh, which you can do. Would you agree with that statement? Can you go into ribis to save somebody's life? Can you be Michal Shabbos to save somebody's life? Right? So, he got himself really heavy in debt, and then he dropped dead. So the prophets survived, and they made it and escaped. Avadya died. His wife is left with a bill that she cannot pay. Nobody can. And now they're taking the kids away to be sold into slavery. This is why it's particularly outrageous to Eliyahu, meaning she's saying, you know who my husband was? Zutar of Zuschaira? Why should he get screwed over because he did the right thing? But it's even more dramatic than that. Um, and the language, for some reason, they, do they ever translate the Targum Yosa? They must be. Um, but listen to this. It's a, the language over here is A lady from the Bnei Anivim, the wise, said, My husband died. And you know, My husband was a Yoris Hashem. And the uh, the lender is now coming to take my kids as slaves. So the Targum says, A woman from the wife of the Talmidim on the Vim, the Navi training, so far so good. She cried to Elisha, Avdach Ovadia Bailimis. Your servant was my husband, Ovadia. Meaning, that's a, it's not a servant, it's a nice way of talking. Was Ovadia. In other words, the Prime Minister of Achok. And he's dead. And you know that my husband was Yari Hashem. How do you know? Because he risked his life to save these guys. When Jezebel, the queen, was killing all the novies, the barman hon mea gavran, he hid from them a hundred men. He, he knows he hid a hundred prophets from her executioners. He hid him fifty in one cave and another fifty in another cave. By Yosef, and he borrowed money, and would provide them with food. Why did he have to provide them with food? This is the part I don't get. He didn't want to take the, the, the food of Achov. So apparently he could have gotten, like we say now, uh, the giveaway, you know, the Baltimore giveaway, the Lakewood giveaway. He could have gone from the giveaway from Achov. They kind of deen and unser, but they were onus. I'm not sure exactly what onus means. It's like they were traced, they were stolen, there was something bad about them. Ukaan Rashiav, and now this poor woman, Rashiasa, the lender is coming, Lamidbar train, but I loved it. So she's saying my husband went into debt for from reasons, Yoris Hashem, not only in the sense of hiding from the executioners, which could have killed him, but he didn't want to borrow the trade, like we say today, trade for money, right? So he he, he went and <laughs> the ribis, you know, kosher money, 
acquired through non-kosher means. I want to repeat. It is okay to borrow for interest to save someone's life. Imagine if you were in World War II and they say you could save a train of Jews, but it cost so and so millions of dollars. You went to some rich guy, even a Jew, and the guy said, I'm going to charge you 20% interest, 30% interest. To save a train of Jews, you could do it. I want to be clear about that. They could do it. So there's a difference between Shemutz and Gigel, which is Akham stuff, and this. Now, um, to Radak of all people says, quotes this, but he has a lot more. He says, Batarkam Sheltosefta, oh, there's something called a Targum Sheltosefta, which I don't know what that means. Mosin Beshitin Bechamshet Dimin, 250 times. She cried that my husband is dead and and I need help. Nobody paid attention. Isn't that interesting? You know, she busted her thing, he busted his thing, and now that everybody's safe and it's sound, nobody wants to pay the money and save her kids. You want gratitude? Get a dog. She didn't know what to do. And they tell a famous story. She, she went to the cemetery. She said, She appealed to her husband, You who feared the Lord. Who feared the Lord. No, you were the real thing. She heard a voice from the cemetery. Which from guy are you talking about? There are four people who were buried that could fit that description. Avram Yosef Iovavadia. Isn't that interesting? Avram Yosef Iovavadia. So she said, I want my husband Avadia. Right? And when she came to the grave, she said, Mori, Mori, Hecha Rechsani. What do you want from me? Beshaito, the Damacht, when you died, comes out Shabbatly, Yostrim Benayim. They said, um, What's going to happen with the kids? And he said, Reba Dalma Rachisli. The Rabbanishalm will take care of it. You can rely on me. Who could do? But now, where are you? We have no savior. And the, and the two little children are crying. Help us, O Father. And therefore, Avadia's ghost says, Right? Go to Elisha. He'll help you with that little jar of oil. Because when I hid the prophets, I provided them with lechem and mayim, which was not easy. And I didn't provide them with oil or something like that. Or maybe I didn't lack um, oil for a lighting. Um, not sure. Let's going to be a meal of the Kedusha Kutchabrichu. You tell this to Alicia, and he'll take care of you. And of course, that's what she did. So, it's a crazy story. It was a, a Gerzedek who improbably became the Prime Minister of Acho. Probably when Acho hired him, he figured he's a Gerzedek, so he won't be from It turned out he was from Then he risked his whole life. And he goes into heavy debt. And the other from Jews will not do nothing about the debt. I want you to understand. This is a disgusting story. Because 
if what she's saying is true, this is already after Achav died. So the news could come out now. So people knew that she's a hero. Imagine if somebody came, popped up today and they said what I just told you. Here's a family that they went into heavy debt to rescue a bunch of Jews. And now they're busted and screwed and they have no money. And we're taking up a GoFund, you know, fundraising for this. Don't you think people would do something? About it? I think they would. I think they would. And here this person was not in danger, like you say, of just losing the house, which would be bad enough, or be put out into the street, but bad enough. Their kids were going to go into slavery. And nobody, none of the front people stepped forward to do anything about it. And therefore she had to go to Alicia and say, listen, I had to come on to you for a miracle because I went to the cemetery and the ghost of my husband told me to go to you for a miracle. So it's a very powerful story, as I understand it, um, about Nisim, of course, but also gratitude, ingratitude, and how these things go around and come around, they don't come around. And it's just remarkable that, you know, without Alicia, she'd be up the creek. You see? Because without a Nase, you can't rely on the society because they'll leave you in the lurch, or at least in those days. I'll say it again. If you had a similar situation today, you said a family is hungry and this and that and the other, and they helped out in Hitler's time, or they did something good here, they did something here. I think you could raise the money. She was not able to raise the money. She had to go and beg Alicia, and he had to do this roundabout business with the oil. So it's a lot of food for thought. Uh, and I repeat, this is the extra addition to the main story of the main story of Torah is about the lady who'll have a baby, you know, parallel to the story of Sarimeno. So, there's a lot of food for thought, and one could be cynical about this, I know I am, uh, but I'm sure there's another way of looking at it, but I, but it, let me put it this way, the facts stand out, and uh, as I said before, you know, you want gratitude? You <laughs> cast a lot upon the Lord, because you can't rely on people too often. Uh, at least that's what it seems over here. Anyway, with that, I want to thank the Lichman family, Ari Lichman, and his wife and kids for sponsoring, and um, I'll wish everybody a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.com dot rabbi david